Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, brought to you by the Wealthy Speaker School. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson. One of my favorite podcasts last year was with the amazing Janet Stewart, and we have her back. Welcome back to the show, Janet. Thanks so much, Jane. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> the last time we talked, you had a major renovation going on in your house, and we you came to us from your closet, from your walk-in closet. That is true. That is true. All the renovations are done, thankfully. It was a long one, but it was well worth it. Awesome. Well, this whole podcast got uh, started by a comment you made on a post. I have a weekly good news post because I'm trying to show people the light at the end of the tunnel. And so last week you said, I launched four new lines of business and expanded my team in order to meet demand. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. But let's just talk about like what's going on. So we're we're taping this on the 30th of March. It's still pretty kind of crazy around us. We have not turned a corner yet in the COVID-19 crisis. Talk about it from your perspective. What are you what are you seeing and feeling and thinking right now? Well, uh, there's never actually been a better time to be in the business of designing e-learning. Mm. So that's an important clarification. When I speak, it's really for the purposes of selling e-learning design services, which is a little bit different from many uh, persons who would be members of CAPS or NSA or the GSF organizations. Listeners to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in that way, uh, my speaking career has not been impacted. I am doing almost all day online every day with client meetings, which isn't really that different. But for me, the sales cycle has shortened because the whole world is now trying to pivot quickly. And when I say that, I mean, you know, big companies, medium-sized companies, employees still have to be trained. Customers still have to be trained on how to use products and services. And because I'm in the business of designing e-learning, it means that we take that stuff that you can't buy training off the shelf for. So every organization, for example, will have internal policies, practices, procedures, and products that they need to train people on, whether those are employees or customers. And they can't just go into the marketplace and buy that training. So that's what we do is we take that content and we create custom training for it. So that part hasn't changed. Now, some people are more or less focused on that. Some would say, well, people aren't focused on training right now, but the reality is lots of companies still are. And they're trying to figure out very short-term things like mm-hmm. how do I how do I train people and how to work remotely or how do I you know, get the training done even though we can't all come together in a boardroom next Tuesday afternoon. So they are looking for solutions, and that's why our business is so busy, because the interest in demand has increased exponentially in the last few weeks. Now, there's lots of what you call maybe tire kickers. There's lots of people who are trying to figure it out, and they want to know more information, and they haven't really looked at e-learning before. So there's a a lot of discussions going on and things like that, but there is business converting as well. 
Right. That'd be more of a two-step sell, the tire kickers, people who are like, you know, we're just trying to explore a whole bunch of options right now. So your clients, are they um, dual border? You have Canada, US, or are you global? Or where do you mostly serve? I just want to get a perspective on that too. Yeah. So I don't remember if when we spoke last year, I had just expanded into the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, it has really taken off. So now we work in Jamaica, Trinidad, and Guyana, as well as are doing some, you know, discussions with uh, business owners in uh, Barbados and Bahamas and a few other countries and St. Lucia. You know, it all sounds really neat. <laughs> Lots of beaches Lovely. and things like that. I don't, okay. unfortunately, when I go down there, uh, it's for the purpose of business development. I actually am into a beach yet during any of these business trips but I I can hope that one day I'll figure out how to fit that in but it is warm and there are palm trees and uh, so that part of it's really enjoyable beautiful now are the islands on lockdown right now they are we were in Trinidad uh, I was there to speak at a conference and then we were supposed to go over to Jamaica to speak at another conference and uh, we watched the Prime Minister's broadcast on that particular Friday the conference that I was to speak at that day had been canceled the very night before. And so we made the decision to come home. And as it turned out, it was a good one. Since then, Trinidad has been locked down. So no one in, no one out. Wow. But digital learning still happens. I am still meeting every day with people in Trinidad, in Jamaica, in Guyana. That has not changed. Right. So companies in Canada, companies in the U.S., people are working from home, but they're still working. They still need to move their initiatives forward. And that's why I think we're seeing in the Good News uh, channel just today, people are saying, I'm being booked, I'm being booked. Now, most of the keynotes are being booked out into the fall, but this stuff is timely. So talk about, let's help people who maybe aren't used to this kind of doing business this particular way. Okay, let's say you're a keynote speaker and you're used to going out on the road and speaking on big stages 40, 50 times a year. We're shifting now, right? So what would be some online learning things? You and I are Zooming today. We're doing this on video. You've got a nice, uh, a nice backdrop behind you, but you can change that because that's something that Zoom allows you to do using a green screen. You want to, you want to just show me some of the things that you might do. And show me, can you put Jamaica up again? That was fun. <laughs> um, yeah, that that one was Jamaica. This is my favorite. Where's my favorite Jamaica? I, you know what? I posted this behind me the other day. Of course, that's Canada's Parliament buildings, and somebody said, "Oh, you must live in a really nice castle." <laughs> Um, I have this is my favorite Jamaican one. This is taken from the blue in the Blue Mountains, and Beautiful. you can download pictures to change your backdrop in Zoom. Sure. But I actually, wherever I go, whenever I'm away on business, I take pictures, and then that way it's a familiarity. So when I am meeting with persons in Jamaica, I'll put this one up or another one, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, that's beautiful. That looks like the Blue Mountains." And yeah, I say, they recognize you know. Right. Yeah. Or I, I've taken a picture. I was meeting at the Ministry of Education in Guyana and I took a picture. They have two buildings. and I took a picture of the window of the other building. And then when I put that up, when I was meeting with some Guyanese people, uh, they're like, oh, are you here? Are you in Georgetown? <laughs> and I'm <laughs> actually in nice. Canada. But, it, you know, it just kind of creates that 
familiarity and it's a good conversation piece. Yes, for sure. <laughs> now, for those of you who are thinking, uh, and by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, you may want to hop on over to our podcast page and, and watch it uh, visually this time. We've, we'll have a few visuals for you. But for those people who are low tech, you don't have to have a green screen. You don't have to have, I mean, really, we can make this work with just a little bit of intentionality about what's going on behind us. I think yeah. that um, I think that sometimes people don't do things, Janet, because they think they have to have all the pieces of the puzzle in place before they get off the mark. When in fact, you know, you and I probably started in very different situations from what we have now. Yeah, I've only had my web around for not even a year. It was something David Guthrow had. I was on a pot, on a webinar with him or on a Zoom meeting with him, and I'm like, "How did you do that?" You know, <laughs> and uh, and then he told me about it, and so I ordered one. But I was on a meeting with clients just before we started here, yeah. and one of the ladies online asked me about my background, and uh, I said, uh, "I said, oh, you know, it's a setting you can change." And she went and she played with it right away. She did not have a green screen behind her, mm-hmm. but she and was still, still able. It still worked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think in order for it to work the way it really is designed to work, then you might want one. But I just want to encourage people that um, just be aware of your frame. What is in the frame with you? Be aware of where you're sitting within your frame. I have an up and down desk, so I'm going to move my camera down a little bit. Janet and I want to kind of be side by side and be equally um, inside our frames. Like we don't want one person's head to be touching the top and the other one to be halfway down on the frame. Be aware of that. Be aware of the sound. You don't have to buy, you know, Janet just said, oh, I'm not going to use my Yeti mic. Okay, whatever. It, yeah, I'm just using can, my phone. That you can hear you just fine using what you've got going on. And I don't want people to use that as an excuse not to move forward with something. Now, um, we have talked before about putting together an online course and many people have thought about an online course and they might be diving into it right now. What do you think are some of the things that speakers don't necessarily realize is needed in order to move forward with something like this? Well, it's a constantly shifting landscape. I will say that. And I will also say that e-learning is a broad spectrum of choices that you make. So there is no one type of e-learning or best e-learning. Okay. Uh, different types of e-learning that you may choose to implement will come with different levels of learner engagement and therefore different levels of learner retention. Mm. So in this day and age, we are seeing lots and lots of live uh, in, per- in person. See, I, I think about being online as in person. Live yeah. delivery meaning instructor-led delivery live online in the moment. You and the instructor are there at the same time. We're seeing lots of those kind of presentations happening. Okay. And they are informative, but you have to also accept that they are a very passive style of e-learning because really you're watching a live video at that point. It'd be a lot like watching television. So you can can turn on, you know, the National Geographic channel, for example, and you can learn really, really good information. Mm-hmm. But it is very passive, and so the learner retention rates kind of have a limit to them. You know, they can only go so far. Right. 
when you start to get into course design, which is the space that I play in, this is where you, you know, have the learner and the teacher are not there at the same time. And as such, you need to, you're able to create a course that has lots of different levels of interaction, meaning they're not just watching a PowerPoint presentation with the next button, or they're not just watching a video that's been recorded or a mm-hmm. session that's been recorded and on playback, but they're actually having to do exercises or having to interact with the course. And that's where you get the higher levels of learner retention. So there are lots of different types of e-learning, and I'm not going to say that any of them are bad, but there are some that are going to be better, but they're also more complex to create. They're more time-consuming to create. It becomes a a matter of math and labor hours at some point, but they are going to have a bigger impact at the end of the day. Now, uh, I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but we've talked about selling it before you start the actual process of building it. Do you like to partner with a client and say, okay, you want this, I'm going to build it, but then I'm going to use it for other clients later on. And you have that kind of arrangement. Is that something you recommend or? Well, I personally don't do that because I'm only dealing in a company's proprietary information, right? right? But I mean, I guess there could be some situations where it could be repurposed for another group. Like, let's say you built a health and safety training program, you know, theoretically, some of that could be repurposed. But that's not the business that we're in. We're in the business of building their specific stuff for their specific environment. However, if I was in the business of building a time management course, yeah, I might find a client who was willing to make that journey with me the first time, knowing that I'm going to have to put in some extra time on my own as well. I don't think it's fair to charge the whole freight to the client, but, you know, maybe you get somebody who's willing to go that early journey with you. And then you can make a custom version for them. And then you can make a, you know, you can white label it for somebody else and you can make another custom version for someone else. And then you can have your own version that you sell publicly. So you could repurpose your content in that way. I don't think it's any different than when we used to do paper workbooks and PowerPoint slides. It's the same thing, right? If you had a topic that you taught again and again and again, you could create umpteen customized versions of it for different clients. You could put their logo on it if that was what they wanted and needed. I don't think it's any different. I just think a lot of people go to a lot of trouble. They, they buy a learning management system, an LMS, and they spend hours and hours and hours and hours, and they don't have the audience necessarily at the other end. That's one caveat that I want to make to people is make sure that you know how you're going to sell this. Yes, it's a great idea to have something that it is not you trading your time for money. It's a great idea to have passive income, but you have to have a plan for how you're actually going to sell it. And I think we've talked about this before is that a lot of people haven't really built up the list. They haven't built their following. They haven't engaged them. And so when they go to sell it, it's like, okay, well, they didn't come. I built it, but they didn't come. Yeah. If you build it, Janet, will they come? No, they won't. <laughs> you have to 
to drive them there. You have to drive them there. Yeah. And actually, as part of my response to COVID a couple of weeks ago, one of the lines of business I launched was called the Learning Academy. And so I'm in that very space where I'm having to now figure out how to drive people to the Learning Academy. Now, having said that, it's not our core business. Our core business is actually building courses. Mm -hmm. But I do have some uh, smaller companies where they don't, you know, they don't need or want to have their own learning management system. Mm. And so, and, and even other speakers who have high quality courses, in some cases, we have worked with them to create courses, or they've been content experts on projects that I've had for other clients, and we've, you know, we've had some sort of arrangement ensue. So we are putting, we've created the Learning Academy to be a, um, I call it a consignment style LMS. Oh, do tell. <laughs> so you can, it, so if you're, course meets you know certain standards obviously then mm-hmm. it can go into the learning academy you mm-hmm. set the price um, you get the lion's share of the profits back paid out every three months so in that way you're not having to buy your own learning management system I own the learning management system you're just putting it there you can take it away at any time you want to and all that sort of stuff so it's it's sort of like going down the street to the consignment store where you can buy somebody else's clothes and, and they keep a little bit of the profit that sounds very intriguing and a good idea for someone who maybe doesn't want to figure out. And I would suspect that that uh, the Learning Academy probably has some really fun like bells and whistles in it. One of the things that I really wanted in my online course, so we have a course in the Wealthy Speakers School. You and I talked about it, yeah. I think, before it was like launched. I can't yeah. And um, one of the things that I really wanted was that people could say when they had completed a module, I wanted them to be able to mark it as complete. That was really huge to me so that they could always see where they were and where they hadn't hadn't actually gone yet. Um, I bet that's one of the features that you have inside the Learning Academy, is it? Of course. In fact, when they create, when they complete all of the pieces of a course, they actually get awarded a badge. And then, of course, badges can be uh, put together into certificate programs. But I will say that, um, you know, one of the easy ways to create a course is to bundle together a bunch of things that are related. So, for example, I have a meeting effectiveness course that's really old. Like, I mean, meeting effectiveness in an in-person world doesn't change a whole lot, right? It's pretty time-tested. you can get better and better, but it doesn't change a whole lot. The body of work stays fairly similar. And I uh, I was thinking, okay, I was challenging myself a couple of weeks ago when our colleagues were going through this frantic state of how can I get into e-learning quickly. And I was thinking, what's kind of a way that I would say as a purist is hard for me? It actually hurts me a little bit. But I thought I'm trying to be a problem solver here and help others. So, so gather together things that you have. So I had this – I had a PowerPoint uh, – presentation that I had from way back okay I could take that PowerPoint presentation and I could add an audio track to it and now I've got a presentation I could use zoom to do that I could use Bitgrid. I could use all kinds of Camtasia all kinds of different tools to do that pretty easy pretty straightforward Uh, I could I had a podcast on that topic that I had done at one time for some reason, I'm just going to turn my Slack off. I hope you can't hear it, but it's, uh, we it's, can actually. Okay. So <laughs> Let me just quit that. People are having a chat thank in our you. project management software. Uh, so uh, I, I grabbed that podcast and I thought, okay, well, it's still, I listened to it. It was like five minutes. It still was on 
the importance of an agenda. I had a job aid that I had made. I had a infographic that I had made and I had an infographic I had made on online meetings. And so I started to assemble all of these pieces and thought, okay, if a person went through all of those things, they would be better off. Potentially that could form a very quick and what I call a quick and dirty course. Right. You put them together. You have to do each of those things. And of course, they're in, in, I use this as an example to put in the learning management system of that kind of course. And as they go through each thing, they open the infographic. It's impossible to guarantee if the person read the infographic. Right, right, we right. Don't, technology only does so much. But we can see that they opened it. And when they open it, it gives them the credit for it. And then, you know, once they get credit for all the components, they get the course credit. Beautiful. Well, I love that's a great example. What was that? Five elements? Yeah. Yeah. Five elements that I already had. The only thing I had to do was the audio track. Well, that's beautiful. I mean, there obviously doesn't have to be as hard as what we just talked about. I think the other end, the selling part is really where maybe people haven't necessarily groomed their clients to be ready for it. So if you've got a mailing list and you've let it go stale, you haven't been, you know, giving people uh, some sort of good content on a regular basis, then start to warm it up again before you land your course on there on their laps. You want to make sure that your list is good and current and that people are expecting what's next from you. If, if you're get if you're popping out things on a regular basis, how often do you email your client base, uh, Janet? On the second Tuesday of the month, every month for the last 18 years. <laughs> That's like clockwork. <laughs> for a period of time, I changed it to Thursdays, but we've moved back to Tuesdays. <laughs> Fun. Well, I'm glad that you're so consistent and your clients are probably anticipating that it's coming, whether they do it consciously or unconsciously, uh, they probably know that it's coming. And so because you've been doling out great content to them for all this time, that when you do come out with an ask, it, it's not so shocking to the system. Yeah, I could probably do a better job of that, to be fair because I'm not selling, you know, courses or speaking engagements and things like that. It's a long, it's sort of a long-term relationship developing over time. But the ask that I generally have nowadays in this last year or so is that I'll say, Oh, I'm going to be in Jamaica the week of X and I'd like to meet with you. Right. And I have pretty close to a hundred percent. Yes. rate. On that. That's great. And that's how you sell is that is I look, I'm going to be there. Let's do something. And I think that uh, that is just a wonderful idea in terms of getting clients to say yes to whatever it is that you're offering. It's just make it so easy for them that they can't. Not yeah. Say. Yeah, it, it does. And having, uh, I mean, some of you would know if you're Canadian and expanding your business internationally, there's a whole plethora of things that are available to Canadian entrepreneurs to help you do business abroad. Mm -hmm. And so over this past year, I've been able to benefit from the lift of a can export grant, which has afforded me the opportunity to make these trips to Trinidad, Jamaica and Guyana and to be able to say, 
hey, you know, if something, let's say we've been doing the the purchase dance and it hasn't gone as head as yet or it's not going as fast as it, you know, could. Mm. It's really wonderful when I can say, oh, by the way, I'm going to be in Georgetown two weeks from now. Um, I have this space on my calendar. I think it would be good. The, ne- the next best or the next logical step would be for us to meet in person and we can go over these kinds of things together. And that really is helpful. And I'm able to do that because I'm, I mean, I could do it otherwise. I could finance it, finance it myself, but I'm also getting um, a 75% contribution from our federal government to do those kinds of things. Let Can we put a link? Could you send me a link to that grant so that yeah, we can sure. show notes? I think, and, and you might want to look, you know, of course, uh, the government is, in both our countries and uh, all of North America are um, doing a lot for small business owners right now. And um, so we're going to, this is a little bit different than what we're talking about, but I think if there are <laughs> grants available, there are probably still people that have to work that program. I, I, you know, maybe they'll have to shut some of them down because they're moving all the funding somewhere else. I don't know, but uh, you want to get in soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, what my advisor has told me is that just to hold for a little while, because one of the things you do when you apply for a CanExport grant is you have to provide your export plan. You have to tell them what you're going to do. You don't just say, hey, send me some money and it happens magically. You have to actually have a plan. And right now, in fairness, uh, the new plans are you're able to submit as of April 1st, but I don't quite know when yeah. I'm going to be able to travel there again. So I can kind of speculate, but I can't exactly know. And yeah, we don't know when travel will open up again. Good, yeah. good point. All right. So thinking broadly about, we don't even really have the name down yet. We talked about this on one of the webinars I did, uh, virtual speaking, remote speaking, doing business online. What do you call it? Uh I vacillate between e-learning and online learning. And sometimes I even use digital learning solutions. I too am trying to figure out what's best and what people resonate, you know, what resonates for people because I'm not really doing speaking gigs online. So I'm not having that conversation with myself around webinar versus keynote versus remote speaking. I mostly meet. I use Zoom 99% of my time to meet with others to, to do business development meetings. Right. And, and yours is really about learning. So let's yeah. make sure that we are clarifying that. So when it comes to delivering online learning, like we're doing today on Zoom, what would be some things that people might need to know that they might not think about? So I have had people come on with me and just basically give a speech. <laughs> mm. And you know what? There's people on the other end. You want to stop and, you know, talk to them and engage them and things like that. So what would be some things that you might know and maybe you take even for granted that other people might not necessarily know about learning in a, let's call it a Zoom environment just for the sake of this? Well, I had alluded to earlier that that coming on and get your PowerPoint slides up and just talk at people is a very passive style of learning to expose people to. Right. It would be akin to death by PowerPoint in a classroom, like in an in-person <laughs> room, right? Okay. And I think hopefully most of us have moved beyond that death by PowerPoint approach. You wouldn't stand in front of people and just talk at them all day long 
or for an hour even, and show a bunch of slides, you would interact with them. So how do you recreate some of that online? And those who do it really well uh, have figured out how to use the tool for one thing. So don't get yourself a Zoom account and then have your first session. Like get your mother, your brother, your sister, your friends, whomever to come on with you and pretend you're doing a session so that you can try stuff out instead of trying that out in front of your clients. Because whether it's a free session or they're paying for it, they're still your clients. They're still your target audience. And you better know what you're doing in front of them. It's not the time to learn, right? Right. Uh, It's like speakers doing therapy on the stage. It's just wrong. (laughs) So, okay, I'm being judgmental. Sorry, I'll move on. Uh, The other thing is uh, different levels of Zoom accounts. And I can only speak to Zoom. I used to use WebEx. I changed to Zoom. But somebody like Robbie Tangri is a real expert in this space. And he's familiar with other tools. So, you know, reach out to him. As an We actually have person. a Zoom um, with Marques. So we actually have a Zoom podcast that I, it will either have played or will play right after this. Oh, one. perfect. Okay. So I better watch that one because uh, I want to know what Robbie knows too. But uh, you, can, you can use polling. You can use the chat feature. These are things that are built into Zoom. Different, different levels of account have different features in them, but everything... I think the most basic one has chat at least. Yeah. And uh, you just have to practice with your tools. And I think if you are planning to have a big session, and I would say, you know, more than 10 people attending, let's say, then have a moderator with you as well. That person who can, you know, look at the questions as they're coming in. Uh, When you're speaking about something, you can then stop and say, okay, I'm going to take a break for a second now. And Jane, do we have any questions that have come in in the meantime? You know, you have someone to banter with. I love that. We have uh, Jen on most everything I do as a sidekick because while we're waiting for the chat box to populate, people are typing in their answers to us, then she and I can talk about whatever is happening uh, or whatever we were just talking about. But sometimes you get crickets and you want to make sure that you have somebody to kind of fill in the blanks with because you as the sole moderator with no sidekick can be sitting there with crickets just going, okay, well, well, we're waiting for that. You know, it can be a And it feels like so long. Yeah, one you're minute. in a vacuum. Yeah, you know, like a second feels like a minute. Yeah, exactly. It feels like yeah. a long time. So be aware of what you're going to do in that situation. So we have kind of um, the one-to-many style would be called more webinar style. That's kind of what we're talking about. There might be one or two of you on view, and then the rest of the people will be chatting in their answers to you. I would call that webinar style. But then we have one we call Brady Bunch style, where there might be like 12 boxes. If there's 12 of you meeting, there's 12 boxes, and you can all see each other. And I love those smaller group meetings because you can really interact and people can just kind of raise their hand. And then you're having cross conversations, and it's really fun that way, don't you think? And I would say, you know, going back to using the tool, when you set your meeting up, you can set it up in different ways. So I always choose the option to have a person's camera come on automatically Mm because some people may struggle with that. Now, some may go on the camera and turn it off, but at least they have to consciously figure out how to do that. Whereas if you have a whole bunch of blank screens with just their names and you're trying to coach 12 people how to turn the camera on, it's a bit of a train wreck. So just do that for them. 
I was thinking about the girl who was doing yoga ver- uh, when during one of our things. She didn't realize her camera was on. Oh, yeah. I don't remember if I was. I don't think I was leading it. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, someone was like, "I was the girl doing yoga." <laughs> I didn't realize my camera was on. Anyway, so be aware if you are a participant. Be aware that your camera is on when it. Yeah, is and another thing that a lot of people don't realize in Zoom is that you can change the settings for phone numbers. So although I don't encourage people to phone in as opposed to uh, video in, mm-hmm. it's still an option. And, and in different times, I've had lots of times where someone was driving and they participated that way. And so having those different phone numbers, knowing where are people likely to come from, because there's a phone number for just about anywhere in the world through Zoom. And if I know that I'm going to have people calling in from another country, I will look for that phone number and click it in the invitation. For your clients, you might look for the Jamaica number and then put that in the invitation. Yeah. You're dealing with all people from Jamaica and then they yeah. can call a local number. It's a local number for them. Yeah, that's if a they nice get thing. really stuck. If they get really stuck trying to get in on their computer, right? you know, think like about that. the digital literacy skills of your audience and give them every helping hand that you can. I like that a lot. So... Really, what we're talking about right in this moment is kind of more of a virtual learning versus what you normally do day to day, which is more of a kind of course learning, I guess we would call it, or... That's one type. We do a lot of mobile applications as well. I don't know if you've ever seen my whole zapper tricks, but like a cute... Oh, yeah. So where you do some augmented reality... Uh, solutions for clients. So let's say you have people who are in uh, trucks, you know, that's what they do for a living. Uh, They have, they don't ever, they're never near a boardroom or a classroom. So how do people who work in trucks or in, in construction sites or on loading docks, how do they ever access training? Well, we do that now through providing these zapper codes. And then you come along with your smartphone, you zap the code and something happens. So it could be a digital video that opens up that is a micro training, or it could be an infographic, or it could be a PDF, or it could be whatever digital asset we place in there, and we can change it every day. So you can have a constant stream of, of learning going into the dashboard of that truck. Let's say if you put it, put the code on a sticker and put the sticker on the dashboard and tell them, well, not to do it while they're driving, but as they begin their shift each day, you know, zap it, see what, what today's training moment is. And and then that way, we're able to reach out into workplaces in ways like we never could before. That is amazing. Well, mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, this is what you think about all day long is how do people learn and how do they best learn? What do you think has been kind of the most effective thing that has come on even recently? That was well, kind of- what you just shared. Yeah, that that's a really cool tool that we use. But I think the big game changer in the last couple of years for learning mm-hmm. is that we are able to deliver just-in-time learning now in ways that we couldn't use to or we didn't used to be able to. So if I go back 10 years when I was almost completely in the physical classroom training setting, right? people would come in for a day. You might have 20, 25 learners for the day. You would teach them a bunch of stuff. At the end of the day, they went away and you never knew if they were actually going to use it. Mm. And it might because they they didn't have the chance to use it or that they forgot it on the way home (laughs) or that they didn't have a leader, supervisor, boss or coach who reinforced the learning and it was forgotten over the next two weeks. 
So now instead of having that model in the training world, we can actually deliver training in bite-sized pieces and smaller chunks. And that is completely relevant for the learners. A good example of that is something we launched for one of our clients the other day. On Thursday last week, we launched their learning center and they, their target audience is uh, startup businesses, early stage entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. In the previous world, we would have had to have maybe gathered people together for a day and taught them a whole bunch of stuff over the course of the day. And it would have been absolute information overwhelm because it would have been, you know, every facet of starting a business. Right. Now in their learning center, all of that content has been chunked into 15 minute courses. So they can come along and do one and then go away and do the homework on that and then do the second one and then do the homework. Or if they're feeling really ambitious, they could do a couple of them. Or if they have a particular interest, they can scroll through the dashboard and like there's one there. The whole thing is about grants and loans. Uh, That's probably a link I should send you (laughs) for for your viewers, at least in Canada. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they could just and when you open up that course, because there's so many links to all the different grants and can and loans in Canada for businesses, like you could go down a million rabbit holes, right? Mm-hmm. And it could take you five days to do that course, even though the course itself is 15 minutes. So there's a lot more flexibility for learners. And there's this ability to deliver just in time training when people actually need it. Same thing as going to YouTube. If your dishwasher is leaking, where do you go? You go to YouTube, right? Try to find a solution right away. Same kind of thing applies now to all kinds of different learning. And when you think about it, that's exactly what we're doing right now in this moment. We're thinking about how do we earn revenue that isn't necessarily us trading our time for money and delivering something from a stage. There are no stages happening right now. Uh, There are no meetings happening right now. So we're trying to uh, provide a series of podcasts that will allow people to be thinking about it. So if you've been thinking about delivering online learning or um, kind of web learning, like we've been talking about, we don't even know what to call it. Everything is so new in this space. I hope that you will um, have checked out the podcast that we did before this and the ones that we're going to continue to do after this, because we'd like to just help serve uh, the need that's out there right now. People are hurting. What's one piece of advice that you have for people who are just kind of nervous and scared right now, Janet? Well, I think there's a huge opportunity right now to be a learner. A, people seem to have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot being offered. There are lots of organizations out there that are responding to the need. And there's also lots of stored e-learning out there. Mm-hmm. So be a, I guess, be a nosy parker, if you will. Go and try out different types of e-learning and decide for yourself what you think works and doesn't work. Yeah. And and figure out how you can learn not just the content that happens to be on that session or that learning experience, actually think about the structure of that learning experience and what you can learn from it. Sort of like, you know, if you are going to be at a conference as a key as speaking and you're watching the other speakers on stage, you have that fishbowl moment where you're not just listening to their content, but you're like, Oh, I like how they did that. Or, Oh, that was a masterful story. Or that was a bomb, you know, whatever it was, right. You're kind of in that little judgmental phase. Uh, Not so nice, but anyways, it happens. And so the same thing is true when you go and do e-learning of any kind, 
be judgmental about what you think works and doesn't work and then set your standard of what you're going to. Yeah. We have a couple of things that we just put into our school and I have said, go watch this one, then watch this one. And I want you to land, you know, somewhere in the middle of the two, look at what this one did, right? Look at what this one did wrong. And let's make sure that you're coming out the other end with your own style, because uh, I think we can really learn just by being a little bit judgmental. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not nice. Well, actually, there's some food for thought in there, and I think it's good food. Um, let's let's also mention that uh, hashtag productive quarantine. If you're, let's be intentional about your time, and if you're really kind of looking at what all is out there, I hope you'll go back. We're, we'll go ahead and post our our earlier conversation that you and I had about online learning as well. And uh, Janet, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. It's fun. I appreciate it. All right. With that, we will say, see you soon, Wealthy Speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed our show, you'll want to come and visit us at the Wealthy Speakers School, where we provide a proven roadmap for building your dream business. Go to WealthySpeakerSchool.com. And for show notes for today's podcast, head on over to SpeakerLauncher.com and click on podcast. I'll see you soon, Wealthy Speakers.